Bibles tonight to Jeremiah chapter chapter 1 Jeremiah chapter 1 And we want to begin reading at verse 4 Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Let's look to the Lord again in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for this place and the testimony of this local church, which as much as we enjoy the facilities, we know that those are not the local church. The local church are the born-again believers, and we're all individual members that make up the body of Christ in this local church. And we're so grateful to be a part of it. We're so grateful for the fellowship, the sweet fellowship that we have with, with one another around our Savior. And tonight, for a few moments, we pray that we might uh, enter into the, the message that you've prepared and that we might uh, experience that fe sweet fellowship with you. And we pray these things in our Savior's name. Amen. It's quite amazing the, the manner in which God superintended the translation committee of the King James Version and, and, and especially their un, unparalleled qualifications. And that's, that's something I always enjoy reading and that's a pretty uh, significant part of uh, the textbook. And also the time in which it happened and the nation that God used uh, and, and it's also been fascinating to me the, the 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 English of the King James Bible was not the English spoken in England in the times that this Bible was put together. They, but it it came forth as a as a Bible language. That's what was so unique. So that when when it started spreading around the world, everyone was just, especially the English people, but everyone was amazed. They didn't talk like this. Uh, it, they had a more rough, uh, a more uh, rough kind of an English. And um, so we'll learn things like that, how that it was not their common speaking English at that time. And we'll learn how that also the nation of England was the greatest nation on the earth at that time. And they took that King James Version to the ends of the earth. 
And their navy was the greatest navy in the world. They, they circled the world. And I want, to, I want you to look at another passage in uh, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Beginning at verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman... Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And continuing to read, And the serpent said, to the woman, ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. There we plainly see uh, in, in, in Eve's reaction to the words of the serpent, he said, in verse 5 it says, Your eyes will be opened, and you shall be as God. And she, in verse 6, saw that it was good for food, the desires of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, the desire the desire of the eyes and to make one wise the, the, the desire to be wise so so she 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 took of it and she gave to her husband but what's interesting to me about this passage is that first statement yea hath god said ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden that serpent had her in in his hand, so to speak. And she did not resist. She, she did not resist. And, and that brought the fall, the fall of the entire human race from that day until today. The human race fell into sin. And rebellion against God. Now, the question may be that if that worked so well for the serpent that it resulted in the fall of the entire human race, why would he ever change that tactic? And the, and the answer is he has never changed that tactic. That's what he's always been trying to do. Question God's word. He, denying God's word. You shall not surely die. Changing God's word. You can decide things for yourself. You can be like God. 
It's your life. You can decide whatever you think is good for you. That's, that's basically the gospel of Genesis 3.15, these first verses. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that God warns the world, in fact, not only Christians, but He says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And Adam, Adam was not deceived. That's, that's a strange thing to try to put in your mind and think about. Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. The Bible says also in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We're, we're seeing that on every hand today like it's never been before. Every hand. Deception is so thick you could slice it with a knife. Evil men, seducers, waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But God says to the born-again Christian, but, but continue you, continue in something. God says you need to continue in the things that you have learned and has been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. We've learned them from God Himself. We've learned them from fellowshipping with one another. We've learned them in the church house of the teaching and the preaching of God's Word. Continue in those things, God says. Knowing of whom thou hast learned, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So the devil, since the very beginning of his appearance, his very first wor recorded words to, to the human race, the very first recorded words of the devil to the human race, Yea, hath God said... You shall not eat of the tree of the garden. He, he's, he's, ever since that, those words were spoken, He's been relentless. Relentlessly. He's never stopped deceiving and questioning God's Word. He's never stopped denying God. and That's all He knows how to do. When we come to the New Testament, we find that the Lord Jesus was very emphatic uh, when He was encountered by the devil's crowd, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. He said to the scribes and Pharisees in John chapter 8 and verse 44, Ye are of your father, the devil. Imagine how that sounded with the crowd of people that were there. And the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer. He was accusing them of 
being guilty of murder. The lusts of your father you will do. He abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh of his own, he is a liar, for he is a liar and the father. So, so right there, he's, he's, he's telling these religious people, these very highly re- esteemed religious people of his day, you're of your father the devil. You do his will. He was a murderer. There's no truth in him. He speaks a lie, and, he, and he's the father of lies. You're of your father. You're, you're like that. That's your spiritual father. It's pretty, uh, that's pretty strong preaching. And so since day one, he has not slacked. He has not stopped in his efforts to deceive the youth and the older people alike. And he's deceiving them with his, with his rebellion against the truth. But his speech is only pretense. It's only deception. It's an illusion of having this liberty that sounded reasonable to to. To Eve. Sounded very reasonable. So much so that she took the fruit and ate it. So these, I've got a couple of books here. I really cherish this book. I never heard of this book until I came to this church. It's called Witch Bible by David Otis Fuller. I want to read a few quotes out of it. This is another book called The Revision Revised by, by John Burgon. It's a, refuta- it's a refutation of Westcott and Hort's false Greek text and theory. It's a defense of the King James Bible. And we're going to be reading a few quotes out of that. But over and over and over and over and over again throughout the whole Bible, we find... God's will about His Word, He's as plain as the nose on your face. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 2. Ye shall not add unto the Word which I command you. You shall not add to it. Neither shall you diminish aught, anything from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I will command you. Deuteronomy 12.32 Whatsoever thing I command you, observe to do it. Thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it. Proverbs 30 verse 6 Add thou not unto his words, his words, Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar. In this book, Dean Burgon, uh, he states in the foreword of, of his book, um, well, it's, it's 
it's near the forward. He says that there's, there is no one book that exposes Westcott and Hort's false Greek text and false Greek theory behind the text any more convincingly. This was, this was the forward in the book. And it was printed in the preface of the version of the Bible of the Revised Vision that came out in 1885. Let me, let me find that. Uh, I should have marked these. Um, okay, here it is. So the Revised Version came out in the, in the 1800s. About, and, and this is what the preface to the Revised Version said. It says this, quote, Such is the time-honored version which we have been called upon to revise. We have had to study this great version. He's referring to the, the version, the King James, that they are now going to revise. And he said, We have had to study this great version carefully, and minutely, line by line, and the longer we have engaged upon it, the more we have learned to admire its simplicity, its dignity, its power, its happy turns of expressions, its general accuracy, and we must not fail to add the music of its cadences and the felicities of its rhythm. To render a work that had reached this high standard of excellent, still more excellent, to increase its fidelity without destroying its charm was the task committed to us. <laughs> that was the preface of the revised version. Well, Dean Bergon says, we, we shall in fact never never have another authorized version. We shall never have another authorized version. And the Dean Bergon said there, there's no one book that exposes Westcott and Hort's false Greek text and false Greek theory behind the text any more thoroughly and convincing. Uh, and the devil is just relentless. And we need to this is his this is his work. Deception. Deception. And again, Dean Bergon says, we will never have another authorized version. It won't happen. And Bergon went on to say, as something intended to supersede or our present English Bible, we are thoroughly convinced that the project of a rival translation is not to be entertained for a moment. See, this was when a real battle to... to to, to replace the King James Bible. But the revised 
the 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 revision revised i mean they 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 chopped up god's word they they cut it they changed it they altered it they replaced it and yet they had this this uh this admiration they're saying for it if they were, if they had such great feelings for the king james bible why in the world did they change it in, when they came in the first place. They should have been thinking about Revelation 22 and verse 18 and verse 19. That's what they should have been thinking about. And that's probably what they're thinking about at this time, like the, like the rich man in hell. I am tormented by these flames. Can you just give me a drop of water on the tip of my tongue? Because it says there in Revelation 22, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. That's what they should have been thinking about. I want to quote something from... I was most amazed in David Oders Fuller's book. And, and, and by the way, this book right here, this book helped me understand Bible versions more than any other book. It's the first book I read on Bible versions. And I, I really wasn't into that subject until I came here to Calvary, even though I read a King James. But he talks about Robert Dick Wilson and David Otis Fuller says, It has been said that great tasks demand men of great preparation. A notable example would be Moses, who invested two-thirds of his 120-year career flexing the muscles of his mind and soul for the final third and arduous segment. And he says a modern example would be Robert Dick Wilson. And Robert Dick Wilson, he was, they don't, you won't find many men like that. We learned that he did his undergraduate work at Princeton, graduating in 1876. He went on to earn an MA and a PhD, and he put two years into the University of Berlin in postgraduate studies. He taught the Old Testament courses at Western Theological Seminary. He returned to Princeton, where he won international fame as a scholar and defender of the historic Christian faith. Dr. Wilson was so thoroughly versed in the Semitic languages, that's the languages of the Bible times, uh, uh, Hebrew and the Arabic languages, he was so versed in those languages. 
And one of his pamphlets called Higher Criticism is, is Higher Criticism Scholarly. It, it won national acclaim and it was printed in di- several different languages. And what he did, he's, he, he planned out his life from when he was young. He thought, okay, I may have 75 years. I'm going to divide those years up into thirds, 25 years and 25. And he planned out exactly at, at a very young age what he was going to do. And he, uh, he said, for 45 years continuously since I left college, I have devoted myself to the great study of the Old Testament in all of its languages, in all of its archaeology, in all of its translations, and as far as possible, In everything bearing upon its text and history, I tell you this so that you may see why I can and do speak as an expert. I may add that the result of my 45 years of study of the Bible has led me all the time to a firmer faith that the Old Testament, we have in it a a true historical account of the history of the the Israelite people. And he said, I decided I would consecrate my life to the study of the Old Testament. I was 25 then. And I judged from the life of my ancestors that I would live to be 70. So that I should have 45 years to work. And I divided the period into three parts. The first 15 years I would devote the study of languages necessary. The second 15 years I was going to devote myself to the study of the text of the Old Testament and I reserved the last 15 years for the work of writing the results of my previous studies and investigations so as to give them to the world and the Lord has enabled me to carry out that plan. He said most of our students used to go to Germany And they heard professors giving lectures which were the result of their own labors. The students took everything because the professor said it. I went there to study so that there would be no professor on earth that could lay down the law for me or say anything without my being able to investigate the evidence on which he said it. He said, in order to be a textual expert of this kind, it's necessary to master the paleography, that's the science that deals with ancient writings, and to have exact knowledge of a dozen languages at least, so that every word may be thoroughly sifted, to ascertain the true text of the Old Testament. And his conclusion was, I can affirm that there is not a page of the Old Testament concerning which we need have any doubt 
we can be absolutely certain that substantially we have the text of the Old Testament that Christ and the apostles had and which was in existence from the beginning. See, this is, this is truth that is so precious, but there's so very few churches out there that know about it or appreciate it. And of late, I've tried to pass out and give books to people that I have been able to talk with a little bit. They're not interested in, in these kinds of things. The late professor, now this is, um, doc, uh, this is uh, Mr. Wilson. He sa it says he was a, a scholar of massive, massive learning. At the age of 25, he could read the New Testament in nine different languages. He could repeat from memory a Hebrew translation, not in English, a translation of the entire New Testament without missing a syllable. That man lived and breathed to learn the texts of the Bible. And, and, and that's, why he, that's why he went back to research all the languages and all the... All the uh, Anybody or any place that had anything to do with it. He could do the same thing with large portions of the Old Testament. And this is a book worth having and, and worth reading. And I want to br bring out another thought in this book. I think I'll skip that that part. So let's again think about this the scriptures that we were looking at. In in Jeremiah chapter one and verse four and five where we read Let's go back there again. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4 and 5. <coughs> Beginning at verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, before you came out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. 
But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my... There's that word again. My words. I have put my words in thy mouth. And this actually has a bearing to each and every one of us. Because the Lord said, Go into all, go into all the world. And preach the gospel to every creature. Sometimes that preaching the gospel is just giving out a gospel track. Sometimes it's working in a, in, a, in a continuous way with a person. We don't see any fruit, but at least we're sowing the seed. We're giving them the words of God's mouth. And so there's this strong emphasis on God's words, His words. And that's why the devil is so, is so he hates God's words. He hates them. And he also said that we need to have them in our hearts and we, each and every one of us, need to be able to teach them and to be ready, instant, in season, out of season, to teach them. We don't need to go around clobbering people on the head just to sh sh show them the, that we have this knowledge of the Bible. We need to be sensitive. We need to look at the uh, person as a, as, a, as a soul who's going to spend eternity either in hell or in the lake of fire. I want to read another quote. This is from, this is about Bible translations. It's from A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer said this, and I'm quoting him. I know all the arguments against the King James Version. But answer me this. If it is as bad as some scholars tell us, why has God blessed it so much? More people have come into the kingdom of God through this blessed translation than any other. It has been translated into more languages than any other version, perhaps more than all the rest put together. Does it not seem strange that the generation with the most advanced technology and the easiest to read Bible translations is the weakest generation of Christians in the history of our country? Church attendance has never been lower. The Christian influence in our culture never weaker. For so long we have heard the complaint that people do not read and study the Bible because the language is 
antiquated. Yet the generation who had only the King James Version was the generation that sparked revivals and missionary movements the world over. It just may be that the Bible translation was not the problem. It is my observation that the natural man does not understand spiritual principles. The problem has never been translation. The problem has never been academic. The problem has always been spiritual. You know, I think the reason that a lot of people have an aversion to this, lost people, is because in some way they have a sense that this is God's Word. And they, don't, they want the, you know, like the reading the Sunday newspaper. They want it watered down and sugar-coated. I truly believe a lot of people reject this, lost people, and, and probably even Christians who are out of fellowship with the Lord. They reject this because somehow they know whenever they do read it, that this Bible is different. Undoubtedly, they know that. So we do have a treasure that's beyond understanding. And we need to... We need to love God's Word, cherish it, read it, tell other people about it, and just thank the Lord for this place. And, and not only for the preaching, the pastor and Mr. Creech and Mr. Taylor and the Sunday school teacher, not only for those folks, but for the whole congregation. People keep coming here because this is where they want to be. And that, that in itself is a, is, a, is a testimony, it's a blessing, and it's an encouragement. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we do thank You for these few moments together to consider these, the great history of the King James Bible, how You, it was actually You who superintended everything. And we know the... the, the testimony of these translators. It's just like reading a who's who of some of the greatest intellects in the world at that time. The greatest intellects. And we're just amazed how you uh, gave us your word. And we know also that it's a it's a it's an accurate translation Lord. It, it, it's not the inspired God breathed word but it's it's a true translation of it. it's a true and we know that that word has also been given to other languages throughout the world and we just pray in these last days while we still have time that we would take your word and live in the light of it and share it to this lost world and we thank you and ask these things in our Savior's name. Amen.